You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. <laughs> Dead ass. I feel the same way. There's nothing worse than going to a foreign country and feeling like you're the stupid one because you don't know another language. Rosetta Stone. Where are you, sis? Facts. We gotta level up. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm Deval. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm -hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. I'm going to take you guys back to summertime, 2018. Um, Kaz was just born the previous November. Kyra was born the previous September to that. So Jackson had to be seven. Mm -hmm. Yes, Jackson was seven years old. And we had booked a Gillette campaign that was shooting over in Spain. And we were super excited about it. Father-son opportunity mm -hmm. to go to Madrid. And... We get to Madrid, and everything, of course, is in Spanish because mm -hmm. we're in Spain. And the whole time, I'm making do, you know what I'm saying, ordering what I know how to order over the phone, and Jackson's laughing at me because of how <laughs> I say quesadillas, <laughs> and I was ordering pizza from Pizza Hut. But then it got real serious when we had a day off and we weren't uh, shooting. And we wanted to go just see the city a little bit. So we go to Madrid. We go to a couple of museums. And I was on the bus line. And the guy was just like, hey, it's very simple to get to wherever you want to go. You stay on the bus line. Go this way. Go that way. Boom. So you know me. I'm a, I'm a tr traveler. I think I know trains and direction pretty well. I mean, if you could travel New York City subway exactly. system, you could travel anywhere, right? So I figured it was easy. So we got off the bus line. 
So I'm doing a little bit more traveling. And Jackson says, hey, Dad, I got to use the bathroom. So I'm like, all right, bet. Let's all run into this museum. We get to the museum. And, of course, you got to pay to get into the museum. So I had to pay for Jackson to use the bathroom, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> but then when we came out of the museum, we came out of a different exit than then we entered. So now my direction was all messed up. Because it wasn't like directly behind the museum. So I wasn't sure exactly where we were. And now I had to read the signs and try to figure out where we were going. So now we're in Madrid. It's starting to get dark. And I'm getting nervous. And we passed this part in Madrid that looks like Grand Army Plaza. Mm -hmm. So it's a circle with a bunch of streets. If you're lost, that's the worst thing you want to see. It's like a circle <laughs> with a bunch of streets. And I'm looking around and... I don't want to stop and ask anybody for directions because I don't want to seem like a tourist. Mm -hmm. And we Looking weren't like a whole ass. Look, yeah, tourist. <laughs> and we weren't in a, a touristy part of town. And you ever, if you're in another country, you never want to seem like you don't belong. Mm -hmm. And Jackson looks up at me and goes, "Daddy, are we lost?" Mm -hmm. I was like, "No, we not lost. I'm trying to show you parts of Madrid. We lost, right? <laughs> and I can't let my son know that we lost. And in that moment, I felt so small. Number one, because I couldn't speak another language. I took Spanish from the time I was in sixth grade all the way through college and couldn't remember a damn thing because I didn't practice it. Like mm -hmm. I just didn't. It was about passing tests, passing your regents in New York. You know what regents are. Mm -hmm. And then getting my degree in college. And I couldn't speak a lick of Spanish and I'm getting nervous. So I'm walking around trying to remember, you know, the, the New Yorker in me started to, to kick in and I started to feel like I was getting back on path, but now it was getting really dark. And I had the room key, so I said, freak it. I go over to a cab. I pointed at the key. I said, hey, you know, can you take me here? You know, you take me here. So then he started to smirk a little bit. So I was just like. You laughing at? Nigga, is he going to try to rob me or something? <laughs> like, I, I felt like I wasn't taken now. I was like, I have a oh, particular absolutely. set of skills. <laughs> and if you fuck with me, <laughs> me and my son Liam will your ass. Right? So out of nowhere. We get in the cab. And when we get in the cab. The cab driver literally turns the corner, drives two blocks, and the hotel is That's right why there. That's he smirked. So he smirked. How much did he charge you, though? <laughs> so I don't even remember. I didn't even care. All I knew is that once I saw the hotel, mm -hmm. I was happy. But in that moment, I felt so tiny because here I am in front, in, in front of my son, and I can't get us to where we want to go because in my American egocentric mind, English is the be all and ends all. Mm. And I realized in that moment that I had to travel more and I had to expand my mind. One, two, three, go. Being, Being around the world and I, 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 I. We I can't find play, my yeah, baby. baby. I don't know when. What are you doing? That's how the song go, don't it? And we've been player hated. I don't, I don't know, know why they I hate us. You singing a different version of it. I'm singing the bad boy version. What I'm version singing the singing? original. Who sings, singing the original? The original. Who sings the original? Me. <laughs> Yo. Why he's so going away and I don't know where he can be. My baby. Because I, I drive Mercedes. <laughs> baby, baby. Hey. Been around the world. Shout out. Shout out. Biggie, Puffy, and Mace. Yes. Who sings the original again? No idea. You want to look it up? I'm going to look it up. I'll come back after the break. We'll do a we'll break come and come back. <laughs> Definitely on my playlist, though. A matter of fact, we actually about to take a break right now, so we got to go pay some bills. Yeah. So while we going to pay some bills, you, how about you look that up so we can give proper credit? I'm going to go look it up. Is it Lisa Fisher? To the lady's <laughs> song that you stole 
here on Dead Ass Podcast <laughs> talking about I sing the original. <laughs> no, Lisa Fisher's How Can I Ease the Pain. All right, I'm going to come back to that, y'all. You can just put being, being around the world. All right, well, let's All take right. the break. We're going to take a break. We'll get back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all, losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash deadass. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth. Black Stories, Black Truth is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And get this. Near, yes, Near, the OG that I used for years, has now leveled up. And they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing. My personal favorite, coconut oil and vitamin E because it's gentle on my skin. And down to the body cream, rich cocoa butter and vitamin E body cream, which is a modern take on indulgent and classic femininity. Okay? It works in as little as three minutes, no nicks, no cuts, and the smooth skin lasts days longer than shaving. Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all those nasty chemicals so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. Have a me-time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. 
Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated near body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. All right, y'all, we're back and I did my research. And the funny thing is when I typed in been around the world, what comes up first? Diddy. Sean Combs. That's what I'm Second, talking about, see? Lisa Bad Stansfield. It was Lisa boy. Stansfield, y'all. Shout out to Lisa Shout Stansfield. Out Lisa Stansfield. She was the, the original, the originator. Yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, that Madrid story, that was kind of, uh, I know I probably would have been asking directions left and right, trying to recall <laughs> the Spanish that I did know. And it's crazy because when I studied Spanish back in school, I feel like I was in a really good place with it. Like I was able to, com- I was able to communicate a lot. You know, you were at the hair yeah. salon. You, yeah. know, you know, they talking about you in Spanish and you can just <laughs> hear what they saying. You know, Dominicans, little things like that. Dominicans. Yeah, I used to go to my little spot there and I'm just like, they definitely talking about me right now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, but just recently traveling, you and I yeah. um, over to Europe, it's just insane. The bubble that we're in yes. living in America and yeah. how much more world is out there. And you're you're, you're encountering people who speak two, three, four, five different languages. Off rip. Yeah, that's just like just the, normal. the norm for them. Yes. Um, and it's funny because when I first was looking at schools for Jackson, this mm-hmm. is before, you know, Cairo, Cads and Dakota, you know, first time parent, first time mom, this is my child's first time going to school. And I don't know if you recall, but at the time I was pretty much taking tours at a ton of different schools. I was looking at public, I was looking at private, right. independent. independent yeah. And I actually went to an immersion school which is pretty much a school that does two languages at the same time. So it would Mm -hmm. be American or English rather, Mm -hmm. um, which is our native language and then another language. So your child is actually taught in that language. He's immersed in two languages. Right. So um, Spanish or French was an option at this particular school. Um, Probably would have been a dope experience for Jackson. The school was just too far away from us though, for us to even make it feasible on a day-to-day basis. But I can understand that mindset behind something like that, you know, because mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, the biggest issue I'd probably have with that is how do I assist him with homework if I can't even communicate with my Absolutely, child in a language the that he's learning? That's the truth. You know, so um, learning at a young age, I hear kids are like a sponge, of course. Yeah. They're going to soak it all up. So we might still have some time. Yeah, we got time. We got some we got time. Kids because, on kids on kids. So you know, Cairo, so Kaz, and Coda, you know, or being able to have somebody like work with us that maybe speaks a different language or something yeah. would probably be dope. Um, but for me, it wasn't even just about speaking the language. It was just about getting different perspectives and worldviews, right? Oh, so, for, for sure. example, when we first got there, um, when we first got to Spain, of course, people are speaking to me in Spanish, mm-hmm. right? And then I was just like, oh, you know, un poquito, you know, hablo inglés, right? And I was like, oh, inglés, oh, you're American, American, right? So, yeah, I'm American. And the first thing goes, like, oh, bang, 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 bang. And I was just like, bang, bang, they're like guns. He's like, you don't, you're not afraid to send your kids to school? And it was mm. eye-opening to me that wow, that's the, the correlation first thing they made that they thought about with America is our kids dying in schools. Wow! Like that was the first thing they said to me. Like they, it was like, a, oh, 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 poor thing. Like right. they felt bad, right. and then they were asking questions like, how do you feel mm-hmm. sending your kids to school knowing that that could happen? And, and this was when Jackson was seven, so that was about this was two thousand eight, four years ago, yeah, four years yeah. ago, and here we are today. But same issue, same, same issue. exact issues, Ridiculous. which is crazy. But um, for me, it, it was just about hearing people's perspectives about America, right? Mm-hmm. But then also listening to people and, of course, talking about languages and some of them just saying, oh, well, I, you know, I've lived in France for mm-hmm. six months and learned French, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I was born in Italy, so 
I was born knowing Italian and English, and then I just went to France for six months. And I'm like, in Europe, people just go travel places and live there for six months. Right. And it's normal right. for them to get there, immerse themselves in the culture and the language. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, like for, um, for Americans, we feel like America is the be all that ends all, right? right? And everyone should just want to be a part of our culture. And, and we say things like, oh, you know, you're here in our country, you don't speak English. Mm-hmm. You know, but then we go to other people's countries and expect them to speak English, mm-hmm. you know, and it just made me realize like how small and narrow minded we are mm-hmm. as people mm-hmm. when we only exist in the place that we are born. Right. Right. And if you take it even deeper, think about black people. When black people say they travel. Right. The first thing they say, especially black people from New York. Oh, I travel. I go to the Poconos. I've been to Florida. <laughs> no, I've been to Florida. You know what I'm saying? Anywhere along I-95. Right. You know what I'm saying? I go upstate. That is what black people consider traveling. And if Mm -hmm. you really travel, I took a cruise, you know, take take a cruise and go to Bahamas, Mm -hmm. you know, but when we talk about really traveling the world, it's seeing parts of the world that you would never thought that you want to see. For example, I remember when you said, I have no intention on on wanting to go to Europe. Yeah, that was true. I actually said this recently, a couple months ago. I was just like, I'm not not in a rush to get to Europe. If I get there one day, okay. But for me, being an island girl, I'm like, beach me every day. And it's like, how many more islands can you go to into the Caribbean? And I mean, one of my bucket list things is to touch every island in the Caribbean at some point. And I'm Mm -hmm. well on my way. As a child, um, growing up in my household, my mom made it a point every summer that we at least took their, you know, my parents took a two-week vacation. And at least for one of those weeks or 10 days we traveled somewhere right um so early on you know i had my passport and i was ready to go because i saw an interesting statistic um let's see if i could pull it up on a break but pretty much i forget the percentage of uh, black uh, americans that don't have a passport yes like just don't have a passport at all much less have traveled Mm -hmm. um but really early on my mom wanted to make sure that we were having that experience to go different places and then not just going there as a tourist I mean, to sit at a resort per se, mm-hmm. but being a tourist and going into the actual culture, being with the locals, right. you know, learning different things, tasting different foods. Mm-hmm. That was something that, you know, my mom exposed me, my mom and dad exposed me to early on. So to think about not having those experiences as a child, yeah. you know, it's just like, wow, there's so much out there. Um, and eventually we had the opportunity to go to Europe recently. Yeah. And being there, I was like, Oh, totally eating my words. Yeah, it was totally it was, eating my words. It was different. You realize how how culturally different and how we consume their culture through TV mm-hmm. and we think it's going to be one way. And then when you get there, it's nothing like yeah. what you expected. Yeah. You know? And I'm pretty sure it's the same thing for, for them when they come over here. I remember for my 35th, we had planned a trip to go mm-hmm. to Africa. Mm-hmm. We're, we going to to go, we're going to Egypt yeah. specifically. Uh, and Cairo specifically. You know, yeah. we have a son named Cairo now. But... I hear, uh, remember we ran into Tamika Mallory Mm -hmm. and she talked about how when she went to Africa, it completely changed her life. Mm -hmm. And I can see now when you travel places that you only see on TV Mm -hmm. and you experience what it really feels like, Mm -hmm. you then begin to, I don't want to say downplay, but you you begin to, to lose this want to watch TV to experience things. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this need to engulf yourself in television or the phone to get your information. It's more like I want to go. Right. And that's and, and once you it. start traveling, yes. that's what happens. You know when I felt this most recently? 
we have been to a couple places. I could probably just count on one hand right now. Places that we've been to where we feel some sort of deeper connection with the space. Yeah. yeah, a reverence. And we felt that when we went to Bob Marley House yes. in Jamaica. Yes. Um, and of course, we'd been to Jamaica several times before we'd been to resorts. We'd been out in right. the country. I'd been back to Clarendon where my mom is from. But per, so there was something specific about the Bob Marley House and being in that space and that mm-hmm. energy is something you can't read in a book. Right. It's something you can't see on a TV series right. or watch on YouTube or even through someone else's uh, perspective. You have to be in that space to understand right. what that feels like, to see what that connection feels like. Um, and more recently, down in Birmingham, Alabama. That's that's another know? thing I'll say, too. Before, before we even get to traveling out of the country, there are so many Americans mm-hmm. who don't understand American history. Yes. Right? So we... There's this big debate going on in the country about critical race theory, mm-hmm. right? Fuck your thoughts on critical race theory. Travel this country and go visit the places that you've never visited before and Absolutely. learn history. You don't Absolutely. even have to call it critical race theory. If you really go research American history and the full history and travel to see places, you don't have to put a title on it. The fact that we're even having to discuss whether or not this is going to be in schools or not, I get it. Yes, history, mm-hmm. social studies has always been a part of the curriculum yes. in some capacity. But the history is actually right here on our yes. soil. Yes. And it was a simple road trip that it took for us yes. to go from Georgia right over to Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama was two and a half hours. really experience some actual history that we were able to take the children to, that they could see for themselves that was almost tangible in a sense because they're able to see, for example, oh, no. Civil Rights Institute in Birmingham, what that looked like, living during that time, walking through that time. That's something that you cannot read in a history book that's going to be you know, dictated through a teacher. This, this is something I'm, I'm going to quote this phrase. All history cannot be digested digitally. Mm-hmm. For example, we took our kids to the Civil Rights Museum. Jackson has heard about segregation so many times. Mm-hmm. Like he's heard about segregation. Oh, I know what segregation is. Segregation means white only, black only. They separate mm-hmm. us. Boom. We get to a point at the Civil Rights Institute where we watch a film on the end of the Civil War and Reconstruction and how the city of Birmingham had to pivot from traditional slave labor to iron mining mm-hmm. so they can rebuild and become part of the iron industry. Mm-hmm. So then he starts watching a film on how slaves who didn't migrate west because western expansion happened, who stayed in the south, were still working in the coal mines under the same conditions of slavery but being given the lowest wage you can give. Then they talked about how European immigrants came over and was and were helping slaves, but they weren't considered slaves because they were white European immigrants, but they worked together within the same confines with black slaves, all living in shotgun homes, 14, 15 uh, people living in a home that's about 100 square feet, Mm -hmm. right? Jackson started to tear up watching this video, right? Then it's over, the screen comes up, and it's the opening of two water fountains that you can actually go to. Mm -hmm. One water fountain was whites only. Mm -hmm. One water fountain was for colors only. And the whites were only water fountain was covered in the iron casing. Mm-hmm. It was refrigerated. So when you hit the button, the water came out cool. Mm-hmm. The black only or colored only water fountain, the pipes were exposed and rusted. And when you hit the button for the water to come out, it came out warm and slightly rusted. Mm-hmm. 
and Jackson broke down. Because now you get an opportunity to see what segregation was. You don't, you're not reading about it and right. imagining it. Right. You're actually seeing it. And when you see this crisp, clear, cold water next to this, this brown, warm water, mm-hmm. and one says for whites only and one says for colors only, it's a different experience. Altogether. Forget calling it critical race theory. Right. This is American history. This is how people lived in America up until the late 1960s. 1960s. And I think the added layer... For Jackson particularly, and we, we're talking about Jackson mainly because he's old enough to really grasp the concept yes. of what was going on, was the fact that DeVal's mom was a part of the first group of children integrated into yes. the public school system. So for him to even think like, oh my goodness, my grandmother yes. had to endure something like this. My great grandparents grew up in Jim Crow South. Grew up in grew up in Jim Crow South. So I think it was all of that yes. compounded with seeing it and being in that space that made him, and then eventually all of us really emotional um, mm-hmm. at that time. But it's necessary. Absolutely, it's necessary. absolutely necessary and because travel, travel is not just for leisure. Travel is for learning and, and it's finding ways to make it fun too. And we went to some nice places. We went to the um, what was the museum for motorcycles? um barber the bar went to the barber museum barber museum for motorsports Mm -hmm. and the kids had a great time we went to the vulcan Mm -hmm. statue vulcan park with the Mm -hmm. vulcan statue where we learned about the iron industry and the contributions that blacks gave once again they would call it critical race theory but Mm -hmm. it's american history it's part of birmingham history and when you travel to places to learn about the history Mm -hmm. you're pretty much opening your mind and your eyes to things that they might not teach you and not might not will not teach you in school. Mm-hmm. That's just in America. Yeah. Imagine how much history there is to learn world history mm-hmm. and how much m- more perspective you can gain mm-hmm. from life if you travel to different places and just see the world differently and say, you know what? I only think the world can exist this way. For example, we're a relationship podcast. We talk mm-hmm. a lot about relationships. And if you exist in a space where my Americanized western view of what relationships should look like is the only way to exist in the world you're going to be very critical and judgmental of anybody else who lives a certain way Mm -hmm. then you travel to another country or another part of the world and realize that people exist in a safe secure happy setting living differently than you it makes your mind go hmm (laughs) everything that i've been taught everything Mm -hmm. i believe in has been curated Mm -hmm. Curated, one, by your parents, because you, your parents curate your yeah. your concept of life as yeah. your child growing up. But then the government curates your idea of what reality is with all of mainstream media. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you watch CNN, Fox, or MSNBC. They're going to give you their curated version of what the world is. And then we curated ourselves with social media. Like we said, when you follow a certain type of people all the time, the algorithm is going to continue to force that Push same, that yep. that same uh, demographic or the that same ideology page. to yeah. you. So your world becomes very, very small. For sure. So, And it's crazy because I think one of the goals I have, at least for our children, um, and I think it would be great if a lot of people had this perspective, in raising little, as I'd like to say, global citizens. Or yes. As a citizen yes. of America, raising a I global like citizen. I like that. Um, you then develop, I think, more tolerance for people. Yes. You develop a lot more respect for people. Um, And I think that just having that broad perspective in general just allows you to exist in a better, I think, mental and physical space altogether because it gives you such a greater appreciation for, A, the things that you have 
at home, wherever that is, and then seeing people in the world live different ways, people who may have less than you have, it really just broadens that perspective. And I think it should also, along with the tolerance that it builds for others um, and the respect, but also just a greater appreciation for the things that you do have. Um, And that's what I think our aim is as parents, you know, hoping to have those experiences for our children. I think it was great when we had the chance to have a little bit of virtual learning because it gave us the opportunity to move around a little bit once the pandemic kind of lightened up. Um, I can see why some people choose to homeschool their children and don't want to work off of a school schedule where they're, you know, limited to being within a school setting, you know, for hours on end for certain weeks at a time and only give spring break or summertime to travel. Um, I really understand now and I'm kind of warming up to the idea of possibly, you know, teaching our children outside of the traditional classroom and making the world the classroom. There was something that you said just now that kind of um, it made me it made me want to make a point. Um, You talked about tolerance. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're living in a time now, especially because of social media and coming off of 2020, where we were supposed to be at a racial impasse. Right. It was was supposed to be like a racial revolution where Mm -hmm. people were supposed to understand what's happening now in the world because of Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, everything that's happening. It seems like every uh, two decades, something happens. Right. For for us growing up in the 90s, which would make it three decades, it was Rodney King. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, after Rodney King, there was um, who was a young man that was uh, Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's always something about a decade or a decade and a half that comes along. And. People always ask the same questions. How do things like this happen? Why are things like this happening? As if it's just a random act of racism. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. As if like, why does this happen? And it, it even happens with with uh, sexism at times. And, and you know, why, why did this happen? Or why don't women make a certain amount of money as men? In order for you to really answer those questions mm-hmm. or be able to answer those questions, you have to understand history and you have to travel, right? And when we travel to Birmingham, Jackson and I were talking about race mm-hmm. because we were talking about the iron industry and how they had to pivot after reconstruction. So then he said to me, he said, hey, Daddy, what I don't understand is, right, why, why do black people, why are black people treated this way? Mm-hmm. Is it just because we're black? Like, do they just hate us because of the color of our skin? And I said, see, that question is, the, is what people are missing when you answer the question. Mm -hmm. Because no, Jackson, that's not the reason why. Mm -hmm. For example, if someone hates you now in 2020, it's not gonna just be because of the color of your skin. There have been ideologies that have been indoctrinated in that person, especially if they're your age, that come from years and years of programming from history in this country. Mm -hmm. For example, um, Edward A. Pollard created, he wrote a book called The Lost Cause. Mm -hmm. And The Lost Cause was pretty much a book about how um, the Confederacy down in America is was supposed to save America from the big bad black man, mm. right? And that ideology continued with uh, Margaret Rutherford, who wrote this book on how to prepare children in America for American history. Mm-hmm. And there, there was uh, this part of her book was called the Sisterhood of the Clan, mm. and it was a, a bunch of clansmen's daughters mm-hmm. who decided that they were going to rewrite American history. Mm-hmm. So that it showed uh, white people and white superiority as the reason why America was able to prosper. So when I'm explaining this to Jackson, I said, so imagine all those people. And you were there for this moment. I said, Mm -hmm. imagine all those people. On top of that, you have a movie called Birth of a Nation. That's the first movie played in the White House. Mm 
and it's a white man dressed up in blackface and the Ku Klux Klan comes and saves America from the big bad black man. Mm. And you have all of these stereotypes and these tropes and, and you have uh, all of the coonery happening with blackface where they're showing black people in a dumb manner. Mm-hmm. It's programming of years and years of them right. saying black people are dumb. Yep. Black people aren't deserving of being a part of this country and we have to save them from themselves. It perpetuates itself in rap music. Mm-hmm. and in TV and in film. Mm-hmm. So you have 400 years of the same messaging being delivered to young white people. And then you say to yourself, well, why does this white, why does this young man feel like he has to drive up to Buffalo, for example, mm-hmm. and shoot up a, a, a grocery store full of black people? Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, if you understand American history and you understand that these young people have been taught from young to hate us because they feel like we're stealing their country, mm-hmm. right? You don't, agree with them you understand their mindset so you know how to move accordingly right so it's like how am i going to teach my kids right how can we change the messaging so that it so that it changes in a way where the future doesn't look like how we live now or the past that doesn't happen without history Mm -hmm. and history is best taught when you travel i guarantee if you take any young person black white hispanic uh latinx asian to see what segregation looked like, I can guarantee you that young person will, will grow up and say, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know Just what I'm saying? Just basically down to the basic, facts. down to the facts. Like that, the that facts. there is not fair. The fact that only certain people got a chance to use that mm-hmm. and other people had to use this, that's mm-hmm. not fair. Right. But what it also does is it teaches you tolerance for young people who were brought up with a, a, the wrong history and brought up to be ignorant on purpose. Mm-hmm. It teaches you tolerance so that you don't walk around with this self-hatred saying, I hate that I'm black mm-hmm. because I live in a world that people hate me because I'm black. No, I, I'm tolerant enough to understand that you're ignorant to your own history. So you hate me for reasons that you don't even know. You don't even know. Exactly. You know I saying? think that's the biggest part. It's it gives just you the, more empowerment. It's just the passing down of. It's yes. like a recipe. You pass down the recipe yes. for a particular dish and it's just like, okay, this dish after a while needs a little doctoring up, right? Yes. And that's exactly where it is. And I'm wondering, and, I'm, and I feel as though generations starting maybe from us mm-hmm. and then generations after, I think there's a little bit more of a desire to want to learn those yes. things. And I feel like the instances that we've had recently, for example, the shooting in Buffalo, the young man that went down to the church and shot up the church yes. with the parishioners he prayed with, like those couple of instances, I'm wondering like if they were exposed to something a little bit different, if they had a little bit more, you know, history, if they had some more facts, right. if they were not within the bubble that they existed right. in, right. would something right. in their mind have said, you know what, this shit ain't right. Right. This right. shit is just not right. Right. That's that's the whole point. The point is you begin to, you begin to have empathy for people who are brought up a certain way. But then it also makes you challenge yourself mm-hmm. and say, well, I wonder what I've been brought up traditionally that is wrong. Right. You know, or what mindset did I did I learn that's been passed down from people who live in this same proximity that are teaching me things that are bigotry or, or that are that are of bigotry or mm-hmm. that teaching me hatred for other people. Right. And it makes you open your mind to say, you know what? Before I attack or condemn or judge someone, mm-hmm. let me at least try to understand their perspective. And traveling will humble you because when you get to a place where you don't know something, you feel small mm-hmm. and you can't speak mm-hmm. because you don't know anything that you're seeing and you're forced to listen. You do that with the young people and you take them around to see not just your country, but the world. Yeah. And you'll see a, a way more tolerant group of people 
who can live more harmoniously. Yeah. Because I've noticed a lot of people that I've met that travel do a lot less talking and a lot more listening. listening. Because yeah. they, they realize like yeah. I'm, I'm not in a safe space where I can just mm-hmm. speak my words and everyone has to listen. I right. don't know. I don't know everyone around me. I don't know who right. this is. Let me just listen. You know what's been um, kind of interesting and rather impactful for me recently, mm-hmm. even just with this Birmingham trip that we took, the lack of knowledge amongst blacks. Yeah. Um, specifically, blacks from the Caribbean or just Caribbean people in general when it yeah. comes to black American or just American history. I and we did, a, we did a podcast about And we did a this, podcast yeah. on that. I think was it the Culture Class episode? It was episode? Culture Class, yeah. Um, and just talking about how even my family, my parents, yeah. didn't even understand American history right. and the way blacks were treated Prior because them that coming. never really existed within the Caribbean. So, for example, my mom being from Jamaica, she has experienced maybe colorism and things like that. Right. But actual racism, she said, never was really a thing right. down in Jamaica. So it was nice to bring her along as well, too, so she yeah. can kind of understand why sometimes you're a little bit more forceful about the way you feel and why you're so adamant about making sure that our four boys who are going to grow up to be four black men in America understand the systemic and the systematic ways they may potentially be oppressed for years to come, which we hope things will be a little different by then. But as history shows, it takes time. It takes some time. It takes time. And I I will say that your mom over the, the past three years that she's lived with us, I remember when she first moved in with us, she moved in with us in the end of 2019, 2020 mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. And at the time I was making videos about my feelings and thoughts on it. And she was concerned. Like, yeah. And she was like, Devour, why do you feel this way? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I explained to her the history and what my mom had been through. Right. Like it's, it's easy to say, you know, well, that was so long ago. Mm-hmm. But then when you have to look someone in the face and be like, wait a minute, you were chased out of Marine Park with, by bats and chains as a young girl because integration started. Yeah, right. that's my mom. Right. So yes, it matters enough to me. And For yes, sure. there's there's nothing in this world that's gonna make me stop speaking on my black experience mm-hmm. because I have to have an allegiance and an alliance first to my blackness. Right. Because that's who I am when I wake up. You know, so I, I can't have any allegiance to a brand or allegiance to a, a, a studio mm-hmm. or to a producer who's saying don't say this. I have to have an allegiance to myself first and an allegiance to my sons and my wife. Absolutely. And I think your mom over time has learned like, wow, there yeah. is a lot of history here that I didn't know. Didn't know. And that's why yeah. it's important for you to say it. But even in watching her at the museum, your mm-hmm. mom is what, 67? Don't age that woman. You don't 27. Your mom's 27. So your mom's 27. Your mom's 27. Give or take. <laughs> but I even saw her going through the museum and looking and being, being overwhelmed at times. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like that's this is, I didn't know this. Right. And you're never too old to travel. I was about to say that you're never, you're never too, too old. young to travel, and you're never too old to travel. That's a fact. That's a fact. So this experience is the best teacher mm-hmm. when it comes to learning about different cultures, history, people traveling, and going straight to the source is definitely the best way to get there. And beyond learning the ways of the world, traveling has actually proven mm-hmm. to expand your mind and also stimulate better mental and physical health. Yes. I think that's a great statistic because I know I feel a hell of a lot better when I am traveling and away and getting some time. Well, Whether you, it is you for go leisure, to shop. 
So that's why you feel better. I mean, you hey, like spending money. There's that's... certain trips for certain things. So Deval likes to joke about the fact that whenever we go on vacation, I have an itinerary and I don't like to sleep in and I don't trust me. There's times Bro. when I go away on vacation and the purpose of that is to sleep in and to relax and that to be that. When is that? Because I haven't experienced that in 20 years. <laughs> you let me know when that experience comes. Me and my girl Tiff Bone, well, Tiff Burkett now, she travels with me and we lay down and we veg out and so how come i can't ever get that why i gotta be up at 7 30 in the morning slapping uh freaking sun baster on you like a turkey well i learned how to do that myself now um i let you sleep in and get your sleep we've mm -hmm. learned how to vacation amicably i think you and i yeah we've learned um but yeah there's, early, but then there's also those gonna, be, gonna they're gonna be those um trips particularly with the kids that i know i plan to plan as they the world opens back up again where we're going to have itineraries for the day and we're going to be in a new place and we're going to be exploring and we're going to be learning and we're going to be hiking and we're going to be doing all the things. Um, research shows that 73% of people get some form of health benefit when taking a vacation. So whether that's just clocking out. Stress relief. Stress relief. Yes. <laughs> taking time away. Um, change of environment. Um, there's so many things I think the list can go on where I think we, that's safe to say that that's well, a pretty accurate statistic i mean the health the health what i think especially for the stress relief is when you see the world differently you start to realize how minuscule your problems may be facts wherever you are like if you have the ability to travel and take a vacation mm -hmm. right typically that's a reminder that you're doing okay in life right that you and can actually take that, that time you can take away it right you can take time away and go for on sure. vacation but also it's like when you see the world and you realize, like, man, these things that I was stressed or complaining about are really not that big a deal. <laughs> Sometimes you need to see that. You need oh, that reminder. Sure. Like, you know what? Let me stop tripping about this guy that owed me this thirty dollars. Because <laughs> really, not that big a deal. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get deal. my thirty dollars when I get my. At $30. some point, I'll get you my know? thirty dollars for sure. Um, traveling is good for relationships. Fifty-two percent of people stated that their connection with their loved one improved during the vacation. That'd be us. We talked about it. A lot. And I think it's just the matter of just being able to disconnect and detach. Like yeah. knowing that, okay, we have these seven days where yeah. we're not going to be working. Yeah. We're not going to be doing anything but reconnecting with each other. Um, and you'll be rubbing me down with all the oils. Yeah, all that oils, all that rubbing down. Mm. That's where it starts. It starts with the cheekage. Yeah. You know, once it starts with the cheek, you got to push the cheeks together. Just <laughs> rub it down, slap it, flip it, turn it over. That's <laughs> the baker man over here, right? Set. Baking some cakes. Baking some cakes. <laughs> People are thirty percent more likely to have a heart attack if they go five years without a vacation. <laughs> what? I ain't gonna lie. Remember that span where we first got back from the league and we ain't take no vacations for four years. It was giving heart attack. It, it, it was, was definitely giving. It heart was, attack. That was the hardest part of our marriage. <laughs> it was. Now we realize because we wasn't going on we vacation. We were going on vacation. We were literally grinding, looking at the same. Stop. walls every single day yeah. no pun intended yeah um, literally just oh lord <laughs> no nah, just because we said we just got married and monogamy it just made sense it's wordplay well these walls look the same they might have been painted they might have got a little wallpaper all ain't that. no wallpaper in your walls baby who can put <laughs> wallpaper in there <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say no i I'm don't i'm saying that the walls can be different <laughs> you know Shit. You change up your walls. How you do that? Keep that's that's something you need to change. You need to teach people, and that's, that's a trick you got. How <laughs> to change to your walls? I can't give away my secrets, y'all. <laughs> I can't give away my secrets. Eighty percent of U.S. citizens agree that after they've traveled, they've noticed a significant drop in stress. I agree. See what I'm saying? Women who go on vacation twice a year are less likely to get depressed or chronic stress. Men are thirty percent more at risk for heart disease and have twenty percent higher sudden death risks if they don't take a yearly vacay see baby this might be something you gotta clock out 
You do Clock it for my out. health. The shit's gonna be here when we get back. <laughs> Clock out. That's my what she guy? always says. The shit gonna be here when we get back. Facts. How many times have you, in a job, for example, been in a work setting? You have a coworker that you've grown to like, and you guys are all cool, and then poor, you know, coworker passes away. Their job description is on Indeed by the end of that business day, baby. They're interviewing the next day. That's true. So you better take your time off. That's true. That's don't very, be worried about true. these jobs that don't be worried about you. You're disposable. Your Kleenex, your tissue, <laughs> ultimately. She's so dramatic. You know what else will be there when you get back? Is. Bills. That's a fact, too. Bills. Bills will still So make sure if you're going to take vacations, you do it accordingly. Don't, just be, out, don't be out here running the streets <laughs> listening to Kadeen. <laughs> Okay, because Kadeen don't be stressed about bills. Balance, I be stressed about bills. Balance, y'all. Balance. Balance. That's the name of the game. 68% of people stated that they are more positive after returning from vacation. I can see that. You're just refreshed. And when taking a vacation, you're exposed to different environments, which in turn boosts your immune system and creates stronger antibodies. There you go. You be on them nasty ass planes, baby. <laughs> you still wipe down. Y'all seen it. I was wiping down. And I was wearing my mask she before was. COVID. Before COVID, she was wearing her mask I on was. the plane. I was and that wiping person down on the, the plane. seats. Yep. And I was looking at her like she was crazy. Absolutely. And then it became a way of life, unfortunately. But I just know that I'm trying to protect my immune system because it can be a little hairy when you're traveling a lot, right? Mm. All right. Six ways traveling helps you to grow, stimulates intercultural intercultural communication skills yes. like we said people of different cultures have different ways of communicating whether it's verbally through language non-verbal through traditions mm -hmm. um actions behavior mm -hmm. garb so when you travel and immerse yourself in another culture you learn and you'll teach how to respectfully communicate with other people who are different from you yes like we said your spain um scenario and i just can't wait to get to a lot of couple places there's a couple places on my bucket list that i'm like Drop me off in there in the culture because I want to be, I want to be with y'all. You want to be immersed in the be culture. Immersed in the culture. I want to. I want to be able to say I was a world traveler. I, I want to be able to go to a country and no matter what the language is, what the people are, be able to because there are universal ways that mm -hmm. people communicate. Yeah. And if you only exist in your bubble, you'll never learn these universal ways to communicate with people. And if you find yourself in a different country, you'll be lost. And I'm telling you, if you've never traveled anywhere and been lost. You feel like the you feel like an ant. You feel like the smallest, most insignificant little being on this huge <laughs> planet, and it's not a good feeling. You know, it's really, really not a good feeling. So I implore all you guys to just get out there and learn how to communicate with people outside of yes. being on your phone. Stop experiencing the world digitally. Yes, and also too, that sounds almost like a moment of truth. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. um, do your research too before you go places because sometimes things that we think are universal within our bubble is not. Facts. And you may end up offending or Facts. disrespecting somebody. So I like to do my research before I go to a new place to kind of know Facts. what is like, what's the deal, you know? Yes. What's what's acceptable and what's not. Doing research before you travel is oh, for paramount. safety. Like that's huge. Like that's don't for just safety, go places for sure. and think you can wear whatever you want to wear or speak however you want to speak or not mm -hmm. engage in the same traditions. Like, you know, some right. places you go and travel, they bow. Some places they shake hands. Some places they don't. Right. And you don't want to offend someone right. by saying, I'm an American. You're supposed to do things the way I do things. That's Absolutely. the worst thing you could ever do traveling. Absolutely. Um, replaces stereotypes with facts this is a good one Boom. the things we think people know about other countries and their people are often colored by misinformation stereotypes mm. and ignorance mm. when you travel you're able to experience the true nature 
of the communities that you engage with and you have the experience with individuals that help you to not generalize overall. Right. So, yep, that's kind of straightforward. Um, challenges your opinions and worldviews. Travel can alter and challenge once fixed opinions about the introduction of new information. It also has the ability to encourage oneself to research and learn more about what they believe, creating more educated and more open perspective. Right. I think that is very um, true with someone who's maybe in search of like religion, for example, mm. and say that you've been taught a particular religion or a religion, particular denomination. I've known people who have traveled to other mm. places and say lived somewhere for six to 10 months, to 12 months, and have decided that, you know what, I found God in a different way, in a right. different space, in a right. different area, um, and then have converted, you mm. know, whether it was from Christianity to becoming Muslim or, yeah. you know, vice versa. So that's also a really good way, I think, to just expand overall if you're in search of something, um, if you're in search of self, if you're in search in of In search of peace. Anything. We're, we're, everyone who wakes up in the morning is always in search. Like, mm -hmm. you know the statement that you, you all are lost? Mm -hmm. You're lost. That goes for everybody. That's like the realest statement. You want to know why? We are all searching for this mystical, esoteric, magical place called happily ever after mm -hmm. and peace. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, what mm -hmm. does it look like? Yeah. And everyone searches for it through different ways. They they search for it through religion. They search for it through fitness. Mm -hmm. They search for it through love. Some mm -hmm. people search for it through vices. Mm -hmm. And I feel like traveling gives you way more options to figure out what peace looks like for you. Yeah. What if you can't find peace in the environment you're existing in? That's a fact. What if in your mind, because a lot of people feel like this, well, I was born in Brooklyn. I was raised in Brooklyn. I'm going to live in Brooklyn. I'm going to die in Brooklyn. That was but me that for a whole, long time. <laughs> this is crazy part. My parents used to try take us to travel. Mm -hmm. I never once mm -hmm. felt like Brooklyn was going to be the place where I spent my entire life. Mm -hmm. Never. When I was young, it, it was as simple as going to Morristown, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And we used to drive 13 hours from Brooklyn, New York to Morristown, Tennessee to, to visit my grandparents, RIP, Papa, Charles, uh, Edward Ellis. And shout out to my nana, Della Mae Perry Ellis. But, um... Just driving on the road and looking out the window and passing some of these places and seeing like little houses, places we pass, Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Virginia. Mm -hmm. I always said to myself, I wonder what it would be like to live in one of these towns. Right. Right. And I was a kid. For sure. Imagine having that experience where you're getting on planes and you're going to different countries, mm -hmm. different places around the world. Imagine like, imagine Jackson being 11 years old and going to see the pyramids. Mm-hmm. His idea in his mind of what the world is is not going to stop now with American views. Right. You know, he might grow up and say, no, I, wanna, I, wanna, I think I might want to live in Africa. Have you, you ever know? heard of people say that like, they, like, their spirit or their soul aligns with a certain place or in yes. a certain place? Yes. I think that's a very true thing. Absolutely. For sure. Um, you know, I think, I guess I misspoke earlier saying, I think it's my pride for Brooklyn that made me feel like I never want to leave Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. But I did always envision myself possibly being a couple different places, yeah. you know? And it's funny because I think about just even like my parents, for example, who, you know, worked hard, came up to America, created a life for us, started in Brooklyn. And it's just like, I don't know if it's sentimental attachment or it's just that idea that once I have my house and I own my house, this is my house and I'm not moving. Like right. I just have it and I have to stay here. And it's us now trying to let our parent generation know, like, it's okay to pick up and move and try yeah. somewhere else. And, like, the house that you were in does not have to be the house no. that you're going to die in, you know, just because that was the first house you bought. 
Um, Property is just an investment. Yeah, for it's sure. An investment towards the future. I think spiritual alignment with a place is definitely a real thing, and you can only experience that. I know for sure through traveling. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I I know. Um, speaking on the housing thing, you know, and especially in our culture, in Black American culture, which is different than mm-hmm. Caribbean uh, culture, but Black American culture, when you got property, you kept the property in the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, you kept the property in the family. No, mm-hmm. under no circumstance. Do you sell the home mm-hmm. because the home is where so and so raised these kids, and right. what you do is you raise your kids here, the next generation. So it was a way for you to have ownership and say this was yours. It was a pride thing because remember, blacks were not allowed to own things in this country for so long. Mm-hmm. Once you owned a property, you wanted to keep, you know, keep it in the family. But what mm-hmm. people fail to realize is that that property is not just supposed to be something that stays in the family. It's an asset, right. an asset that can generate more assets if right. you move accordingly. Right. So, for example, if you bought that property in the 50s for $30,000, mm-hmm. but now it's a brownstone worth $3 million, right. Right. don't get upset at your grandkids for wanting to sell grandma's house. Now you have $3 million. <laughs> right. there's, there's 10 grandkids. Each grandkid gets $300,000. And what you do is you then go buy 10 more properties Mm -hmm. and now you have 10 properties that you had the 300,000 that you can use as a down payment and all of you own million dollar properties. Right. And then you can travel. (laughs) And and no, seriously. (laughs) And then you can travel. That's what the property is supposed to be for. And I think it's important for people to to realize that because we've seen that with your parents. Mm -hmm. We've seen that with my parents, right? Mm -hmm. Your parents own a beautiful property. I'm not going to say on what street, but a beautiful property. It's a million dollar property. Mm-hmm. Your dad never wanted to let this property go. Right. This is for my kids. Yeah. This is for my kids. Yeah. We had to explain to him, like, Pops, it's for your kids. Let your kids get the equity out of the property that you held on and maintained right. for so long so that they can go out and get more property for their kids. Right. And it took him a while, but then he was just like, Right. Right. We don't, we don't have to wait for death or right. things like anything right. tragic to happen to then decide what are we going to do with these assets? If the opportunity presents itself, it's Move. like you've done your work. Yes. Like I'm super proud of my parents who were able to come here and do the things that they've done to be able to afford us these opportunities. Yeah. So while we have the chance to make something of it, why not? And you can see the see that come to fruition. Yeah. You know, you don't have to wait till you're gone for us to say, all right, well, now finally we could just divvy this up because it's a source of income we'll now have. My parents you know? did the same thing. They had a, they had a property in Virginia. Well, they had they had land in Virginia that they bought a long time ago, mm-hmm. and they just didn't want to sell it because oh, we have this land. We need to build a house on this land. But it's like, what if you don't want to live in Virginia? Mm-hmm. You're just going to hold on to the property to exactly say it? just to say we have it. Use the property as an asset so you can gain more assets. Yeah, for sure. So, but that's a whole different podcast. I just when you brought up the property <laughs> thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, I just wanted to make sure that people understood. No, I get it. You know the value of that and how expanding sure. your mind and your ideas of what money looks like mm-hmm. can can change your your view of what your life is supposed to look. Well, like. Well, think about it because a lot of people will probably say, "Hey, I just don't have the funds to travel." Yeah, you know, and that too is very limiting, and that can feel like it's just. You're, you're trapped because yeah. you may not have the funds to do it. So the money lessons and the financial talk is always good to kind of filter that's true. into these yeah, because it'll give you an avenue to say, hey, if I'm doing X, Y, Z with my assets and my investments and my, my funds, then it frees up this for me to be able to have that money to be able to travel because you're going to need that Absolutely. for sure. Um, established long lasting bonds. So experiencing deep moments. Inspiring conversations, difficult scenarios creates lasting bonds. Think about you and Jackson in Spain. Yeah, in you Spain, guys we, we were bonded super bonded together bonded after that lot. experience of being lost. Meeting people with similar interests or seeing someone or seeing yourself in people 
traditions and cultures in a new place can create a deep connection that you may want to return later. Just like we said, feeling that spiritual connection somewhere. Yeah. Develops patience. So with travel often come situations that are just difficult. They're Talk unpredictable. About it, like getting lost in Madrid <laughs> as it's getting dark outside. They're unpredictable and they're sometimes unfamiliar. So as you work through these situations, you strengthen your ability to be patient, vulnerable, problem solving, problem resilient. Problem solving, staying calm. All that, staying calm. And, and as you Siri, would not let where the hell do scared. I go? <laughs> right? I was it's like, funny because they say whenever you're, like your hood is not going to be the same as somebody else's hood. No. But usually when we're in a hood, there's like a bit we know. of a familiarity. We know. Like, you know, well, you keep your head on swivel. All right. You watch <laughs> this entrance. I'm watching that exit. Exactly. And, you know, you know how to move accordingly. Because, <laughs> listen, things can get very scary <laughs> very and fast. One thing is I made a joke about the movie Taken. Mm -hmm. But there is a reality in the movie Taken. Mm -hmm. In that when you exist in a bubble, and that bubble that has been curated by your parents is very safe and very secure. And you know everybody, you know everything. You think the world is the same as the bubble you live in. Mm -hmm. So you remember his daughter was just like, yeah, I'm just going to this concert and we're going to stay. And then she gets to the place and then there's men there waiting to take her away. Right. When you travel and you're forced to be uncomfortable, it heightens your awareness. Right. That heightened awareness allows you to move differently because right. you're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And when you're more aware, you start to notice things and pick things up. And pick I think the best yep. part of being a, a Brooklynite Mm -hmm. was that you could never be comfortable traveling on mass transportation. Ooh, <laughs> like, like, think yeah, about it. Yeah. When you're on that B6, that B82, <laughs> that A train, that 3 train, you cannot be comfortable because there's so many exits, there's so many people, you have to be aware. Mm -hmm. I To this day, I could be walking anywhere. And I'd be like, you see that guy over there with the red hat? And he'd mm -hmm. be like, where? I'm like, you didn't see him? He's mm -hmm. like, well, you're watching? I said, yeah. I noticed everything. He didn't <laughs> pass by here two times already. <laughs> then out of nowhere, he'd come up and he'd be like, Hey, I just want you guys are the Ellis's, right? And I'm like, yeah, I saw you staring at us from over there about thirty. He's like, I didn't want to be a creep and follow you, but you've been following us. And you're lucky you came <laughs> up and spoke. I don't want to bother you, but come right. bother me, sir. <laughs> you're lucky you came up and spoke because you was about to get jacked in a minute because I saw you follow us. That happened right. to us twice in the airport. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, you know, being a Brooklynite kind of teaches you how to have your spidey senses. That's a fact. We're never going to lose those. Yeah. and builds confidence when visiting a place that you've never been to before you show yourself a good time can, can be a challenge but yeah. as you build your itinerary you shake some fear off the unknown look at me i'm going to TripAdvisor, this one that one all of them i'm mm. checking reviews i want to know where the good yeah. food is at all that use your communication skills to navigate in an unfamiliar language and culture your confidence and ability is inevitably yeah, going grow. to grow for sure all right cool so I think we should take a quick break. Yeah. Uh, we definitely have to get into list letters. So I want to give enough time for that. So let's get into some ads and we'll be right back. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And get this. Near, yes, near, the OG that I used for years has now leveled up. And they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing. My personal favorite, coconut oil and vitamin E because it's gentle on my skin. And down to the body cream, rich cocoa butter and vitamin E body cream, which is a modern take on indulgent and classic femininity. Okay, it works in as little as three minutes, no nicks, no cuts, and the smooth skin lasts days longer than shaving. Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all those nasty chemicals so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. Have a me time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. 
Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated near body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. There's power in every purchase because every time we buy a black lead brand, we make room for another black lead brand. And y'all know I love my lip bar products. That's just one to name a few. There is a whole collection of black lead products that fit into your daily routine. Show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. That's right, y'all. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products you can add to your daily routine. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back, guys. Yes, sir. We are back. Favorite part of the show. Yes, it is. Y'all know. Nosy self. Listen uh-huh. to letters. All right, let's I'll get I'll let Deval read this first one because it said, yo, D. So I said, go ahead. All right, it's because it's wild. It's on you. Pause. <laughs> um, all right, let's go. What's going on, Deval and Kadeen? So, D, I need you to keep it a buck with me on this one because I'm about to be extremely vulnerable right now. Okay, appreciate that. I'm having so much trouble with infidelity in my marriage. It ain't even funny. I cannot or rather won't stop pulling women. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I feel like a failure and like I've never, I'll never come up out of this slump. My urgent desire for pussy is far beyond what I feel like I can control. And you know mm. what? The crazy thing is, I'm never satisfied. Sex is not even the same no more. I look at every woman like a challenge. I was molested when I was a kid by my brother. Jesus. I don't know what that did to me or if that's the cause of these strong ass urges, but it happened. I've been sex addicted for quite some time now, and I'm also addicted to porn heavy, like masturbate four to five times a day. Wow. And I have a beautiful wife right there, shaking my head. But lately, we've been having problems with our sex life too. I feel like she lacks passion, and most times it feels like I'm the one 
uh, only one into it. Well, if you masturbating four or five times a day, bro, is it a good chance that you probably coming at her a lot? And she probably can't handle that. That's why you feel like you're the only one trying. Mm-hmm. She's been trying. I got to give her that. But the problem still lingers. I also always feel like I'm not wanted or her attention is somewhere else, even though I'm always doing things to ease her mind and take things off of the to-do list that's never ending. Nevertheless, that's not an excuse for why I cheat. I have none. I'm telling you this because I just need to know if I'm the only man out here going through these kind of problems. And I need to hear it from somebody who has been there where I'm at and got out of it because at this point, I'm about to lose my family, bro. I don't want a divorce. I love my wife, but pussy is winning right now. So many more beautiful women out there besides my wife, and they be wanting a nigga. <laughs> Fine as hell, too, bro. Fantasy type chicks, man. Oh, <laughs> like gosh. never before. And I'm a regular ass nigga. I'm just keeping it a buck, bro. So I'm just wondering, man, if you ever want, uh, if you ever went through what I'm going through with infidelity, porn addiction, and women flirting with you and the whole nine, and how do you handle being faithful and staying true? Not doing it and running away seems so much easier said than done when I'm. When I've been giving myself whatever I wanted when I wanted four years now. So now, when it comes time to say no or stay disciplined, I, I, I just had this conversation. You heard me having this conversation when we were at the R29 event, Unbothered. Mm. I give it to my desires and do it anyway. Even when I know it's against the will of God, I want my spot in the kingdom of heaven, and I feel that I'm really in a bad position with God. You got anything for me, bro. Anything. All right. Oh, man. Brother. So, <laughs> Here's, all you, babe. First of all, I don't That's know how old I don't know how old this young man is, mm-hmm. but um, I remember in college, like sex is like a big deal in college. You go from eight, eighteen to twenty-two, you were living in your parents' house. Now you have some freedom. All the dudes on the football team, all the guys ever talked about was sex. When we were around women, all the women ever talked about was sex. Like I don't know how old this person is, but mm-hmm. college at that time it seemed like the time where it was just everything That's was. That's it. It revolved sex. around it yeah. because your hormones are pumping through high school. You get to college and now you can fully explore without judgment from your parents. So it was just sex everywhere. But I remember there was a point, especially in college, where, you know, I wanted sex two, three, four times a day. And Kadeen and I, for the most part, were having sex multiple times a day, every single day. Like it was just we were on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And then um, it got to a point where we were arguing, upset about other things mm-hmm. that sex became secondary. Right. And it wasn't so much about sex anymore. We didn't like each other for other things. Sex was always great. And I always, you know, I have a beautiful wife as well. And I always enjoyed having sex. But we'd be having issues. And then, damn, I don't want to be going to have sex. And I'm not talking to her. But I'm still horny. And I'm going to be honest, that never goes away. I was speaking to this this uh, young man the other day. And he said he was 38. And he has a young lady that he's with. And he was like, yo, D, like, I know... You know, you have a bunch of women that always coming at you. You're on TV. You played in the NFL. How do you find the strength to say no? Here's the God's honest truth. You need discipline. There's no point. Like, I can't give you a number. Guys always ask me, at what age does it stop? As long as you have eyes and you have a libido, women will always be attractive. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or if you're 58. My aunt said that my uncle, who is now about to turn 60 is the same way he was she was talking to me and Kay <laughs> and we were talking about sex and not having no more babies and she was like I'm gonna have to find a way to keep him off of me and she said to Kadeen she said it don't slow down literally and he's turning 60 yeah so and then there's no point in your life where you can just say alright well when I hit this number I'm gonna be done looking at women so what you have to do is is develop discipline 
part of developing that discipline is understanding why you tick this way. You said it. You were molested by your brother when you were younger. You don't know if that triggered something in you, but you need to do some work to figure out if that's why. You know, um, a lot of people that I've spoken to say that when they were molested, whether this is a man or a woman, they then turn sex into their way to control themselves. So rather than being having sex forced upon them, they always lead with sex in a way to control their environment. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, that, and that's not just women, men and women both have, I think in America, they say one in three women have been molested or raped before they turn 15. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one in five men. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people know that. So it's not just a, a, a female thing. It's a male and female thing. Mm -hmm. But doing the work to find out why you're so um, sexually engaged can help you. That's the first thing. Second thing is, if you think you have a sex addiction, which is very different than the first part of therapy, which is figuring out about your molestation, see if you have a sex addiction. You may have a really, really high libido. You know, I mean, you may have to figure out some ways around that. But the biggest thing is being disciplined enough to continuously work on it, Right. We talk about marriage being a never-ending conversation. Healing is a never-ending conversation with yourself, mm -hmm. right? So you never wake up, and, and there's this thing going around where they say, make sure that before you get in a relationship, you're a healed, whole person. There's never going to be a point in your life where you say, you know what? I've reached holdem. <laughs> I'm healed now. <laughs> now I, that, that never happens. Right. It's an ongoing process of healing. Because you go through traumas every single day in your life that you don't even realize are traumas or microaggressions. So I would say do the work on yourself first to figure out why you're dealing with this stuff, especially with the molestation since you lay with that. Um, see if you have a, a sex addiction. But I will say this. If you're looking at me to give you an answer as to what age or what number is going to stop or you're going to stop being attracted to women, it's never going to happen, bro. Women are beautiful. They've been beautiful before you got here. They're going to be beautiful after you leave here. So <laughs> you're going to have to learn to be disciplined, bro. And you got to earn that. If you call yourself a man and you really a man, a man knows how to control his desires. You cannot be controlled by your penis. Like This is the bottom line. Most decisions made are made in, in poor taste because you thought with the head that isn't the one you're supposed to think with. That's just a fact. Most wars in, in pre-time, like I think it was... Uh, in like pre-Roman times, most mm -hmm. wars were started over women. Troy. They just started over women. <laughs> so you have to learn how to have discipline, bro. Start by working and healing on yourself. I don't know if you've ever been to therapy, but go to therapy to figure out where this is. That would be a um, good place to start. Yeah. Do your best to be honorable to your wife and your children. Because you would hate to lose what you really, really love because you can't control yourself. That's the ultimate weakness. Of, if there's anything that what I would say is weak, because this was vulnerable. You yes. being vulnerable about this is not weak. Mm -hmm. But you knowing that you have a problem and not choosing to deal with it so that you can be the person you need to be for your husband, I mean, for your wife and your kids, that's weak. So work on it, bro. I'm going to yeah. pray for you. Good luck to and you, And there's brother. no judgment here because we've all been through it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I had a friend that had a sex addiction. He's worked on it. Um, you know, we... You know, we it just we all just, requires work. Yeah, it all requires work. Yep. You know? Yep. Thanks for writing in, bro. Yes. All right. My husband and I have been married for three years and we're both active duty military. Thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. Since we've been together, we've never spent more than one month together without one of us leaving for deployment or other uh -huh. training. Now we're living together full time and I'm happy, but he is not. He wants to be alone 90% of the time Ooh. and makes me feel bad for wanting affection and quality time. He's snapping at me over little things, talking to me crazy. 
He told me he's depressed and recognizes that he's not treating me right. He told me therapy is not an option and mm. will not allow me to be his safe space. I'm not sure what to do. If I leave, wouldn't that be me leaving him when it gets hard? But at the same time, I cannot tolerate the disrespect. Mm. Wow, that's hard. I think about even just when you were in the NFL yeah. or just people who we've known in that lifestyle where the husband is away mm. playing. So yeah. there's always the space. Yeah. And then they retire. Yeah. And then now they're home in this space in a household where, you know, wife and children have been moving accordingly. Yeah. And then now dad is home after yeah. retiring and he doesn't quite know where he fits in the equation. He kind of feels like he doesn't belong yeah. for a little bit. And there's also that search for what's next. Yeah. And then mom being just like, well, we normally do things this way. Talk about it. So how do we filter dad into it? So he kind of feels like he's unwanted and she kind of feels like he's a burden. And then it becomes a yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So it's very, it's very hard. I very think similar. whenever you're with somebody and you're accustomed to being within a certain you know, yeah. level of interaction and then living together, in part why I always encourage folks to live together for a little bit before they right. actually marry so they can know can i coexist right with this person and not only it be peaceful but it be a happy space for us yeah. to exist in um so him wanting to be alone 90 percent of the time i know that or i've heard i don't know personally but being active duty military i'm sure that there's things that they've seen places they've been things they've had to endure yeah. when you are serving this country that may require a level of decompressing or therapy, which he's not open to. I was going to say that. Um, Can we just stop right there for a yeah. minute? Um, she says she doesn't want to feel like she's quitting or leaving when the time gets rough. Right? Mm -hmm. It takes two people in a relationship to be of service to each other mm -hmm. for the relationship to work. Mm -hmm. If he is not willing to be of service to you and the things you need right. in order for y'all to get better, get better together, that's not quitting on your part. Right. I, and I'm not a proponent for divorce, mm -hmm. but... I'm not a proponent of one person doing all the work and the other person just being like, well, Existing. I'm not doing it. Right. And then you have to feel guilty because you're doing all the work. No, ma'am. Mm -hmm. That's that's not that's not the way this works. If he doesn't want you to be his safe space, those are his words. He doesn't want to go to therapy and help you. Right. You do not have to stay anywhere and tolerate any disrespect. You get one life, and I've, I say this, and I say it again. You don't owe anybody anything. The only only person you really owe in the world is your kids because they didn't ask to come here. The kid, children are here based on your guilty pleasures as a parent, right? You guys have sex, y'all do whatever you do, child comes into the world, right? That person comes here with no understanding of why they're here or what's going on. You have a responsibility to take care of that person. But the adult, no. Mm -hmm. if, if an adult doesn't want to put in the work and meet you halfway, I'm chucking deuces. What are we doing here? <laughs> I right. that's, that's not healthy. Right. Because you're also not going to guilt me into saying, well, you know, you left me when times got rough. I'm, I didn't leave you. I presented opportunities for us to get better. I'm trying to present options for us to get better and do things. And you keep shutting it down. No, which means you want to stay in this space. Right. That space is not healthy for me. I am not going to choose to stay in an unhealthy place, especially if we got children so that we can both be unhealthy and be poor examples to our children. And, he sa and she said here, he told me that he's depressed and recognizes that he's not treating me right. So is that just okay? <laughs> that, you know, that's not okay, sis. No, it's For not. him to recognize it, vocalize it, and then not want to put any plan of action together to make you feel better. You staying what in that exactly situation doing here? is telling him that that is okay. Yep. Literally. That's, that's just the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, And here's even more truth. The people who defend our country and defend our rights and freedoms to to be who we are, 
mm-hmm. deserve way more respect than they're often given. Yes. I'm not going to sit here and try to understand what he has gone through. Mm-hmm. I can't even, I don't even want to use an analogy and say right. it's like football. It's right. not. Right. Like when you're deployed and you have to go and, and face some of the things that they face, that's that a that's a completely entity. different level. Right. Right. But at the same time, as a man who chooses to have a wife and bring children into the world, the same duty and honor and respect you have for this country to protect, you have to have that same duty and honor and respect for your family and for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to get help when you need it. Yep. You know, like you can't expect uh, veterans to do this on their own. Mm-hmm. And I hope veterans, if any veterans that are listening to me will listen, we don't expect you to do this on your own. You shouldn't have to. Nope. You've done all, you already done more, more than, than your, your fair, fair share. share. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a fact. Like you should be able to come home and say, I need help. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to, to say, look, I need help. I'm going through something mm-hmm. because I don't want to discredit what he has gone through. I don't right. have no idea what that's no like. No idea. But you know? it's the coexisting with somebody yes. through that yes. that yes. requires a level of work. And if it's yes. something that he's just not willing to do or he just doesn't have the, the frame of mind to do it, insist you're well within your right to, like you said, not tolerate the disrespect. And sometimes you need, sometimes even, even soldiers need that uncomfortable feeling to realize they have to take a step forward. Mm-hmm. So say you, say you make, for example, you say, you know what, I think we need to get separated so I can figure out what's best for me. And then he comes home a couple of days and his wife and his children are not there. Mm-hmm. That may be the thing that clicks inside of him that says, I need to do something to move forward to get my family back. Right. You know, but but I do think you're enabling him mm-hmm. if you just sit back and allow him to self-loathe and let you be the object of his aggression and his depression. Right. Because now he won't feel like he's doing anything wrong if he can just unload and unleash on you. You know, well he doesn't deserve that. You don't deserve that. I'm going to pray for both of you because um, anytime my, my, my grandfather was a war vet and he fought in the Korean War mm-hmm. and um, he had his ways sometimes of snapping when he lose it. And mm-hmm. I remember when uh, my grandmother told us a story when he first came back, she used to have to wake him up with a, a broom because when he was sleeping, if mm. he would, if she would just touch him, he would wake up. Oh, wow. Ready you know to like ready to, you know, because maybe imagine, hit or fight hit or something. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. She said when he first came back, that's what she had to work on. That's what right. she did. And eventually, you know, mm. going through the process, they were able to get back to right. normal. Right. But there's nothing like being a spouse to a vet. Like yeah. that's one of the hardest Very things. Difficult. And I salute you both. You Both of you guys are vets. Yes. Um, I don't know if they're both active still duty, but. Yeah. She said they're both still active. If you're both still active, yes. then you're not veterans. We appreciate your service and we're going to pray for you. Mm-hmm. And I have the utmost confidence that as two people who have fought for this country, Y'all are going to fight for your marriage and make it work. Yep, absolutely. I co-sign on that. All right, y'all, those are two really good listener letters this week. And if you want to be featured, you can go ahead and write us. It's never too late. Email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. That's D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. All right, moment of truth time. We talked traveling, expanding your horizons. Moment of truth. Spreading your wings and fly. Travel. Travel. I was going to get out my that's head. That's it. I promise you that was going to be my thing. We, we spoke all about it in this episode. Travel. We don't got to drag this out no more. Travel. Figure out how you can do it. It can start as simple as traveling on our U.S. soil. There are a lot of road amazing trips. places that you can road trip to. Get you some deals. Go to them travel sites. Mm-hmm. You know, and just travel. Travel. Yeah. Expand. Shout out to Birmingham. Y'all were great to us. Yeah. Expand your mind. 
um, and all that good stuff. All right. Be sure to follow us on social media, y'all. Dead Ask the Podcast and my page, Kadeen I Am. And I am Deval. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Dead Ask, y'all. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. One at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's a perfect time to try, like, and share black-led products. It's free for everyone and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it.